0: Hello, welcome to Okawa Book Club. So we're your hosts, I'm Dylan, I'm John, and we're going to be discussing the teachings of Riho Okawa. Riho Okawa is a world teacher, master, and CEO of Happy Science Group. Hello, today's episode is not on a book, it's actually on a movie called Twice Born. So if you remember, we did a book club episode on Twice Born the book. Well, that was made into a movie and it just showed in theaters recently. So it's based on the true story of Riho Kawa. The subheading of the movie is, The Sun Shall Rise Again. Let's talk today, John, about that movie, our impressions, our takeaways, and what we think this message can really teach people today. You just saw it. I'm just curious to wonder, you know, what you thought the main message was or what the movie was trying to portray as overall theme.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was definitely a movie I was excited to see. I loved the book. The movie was, uh, it was incredibly
0: inspirational. I
1: mean, and there was in terms of a theme like it's hard to pick just one because there were many themes. It was sort of like a movie filled with spiritual teachings presented in almost plain clothes, you know, that you have to sort of read into them. And uh, they're there, you know. But I mean, some of uh, one thing that stuck out to me was how Ryo Okawa constantly strives forward. And he always strives with the truth of what he really believes in, honestly. Hmm. And I thought that that was such an important concept presented, you know, like when when he's confronted by things that he disagrees with, he doesn't just blindly agree with them. He Hmm. will debate in in favor of what is for the greater good of Hmm. all of us. Um, And a concept I think that was really emphasized well was the idea and the rea- the practice of conquering sort of the lower forces that can burden us as humans and hold us back and try to lead us astray from our true path. Mm.
0: Yeah, you know, I thought almost the exact same way about the overall theme of the movie. It's almost like I thought it portrayed a completely humble self-confidence. Right. To move forward in life, move forward, make a name for yourself, but not doing it for selfish reasons doing it for the happiness of humankind and the actor really portrayed how rihokal was as a young boy as a young man and in his you know university years and and work years until he started the movement of happy science so It was actually dramatic and emotional at times, but at other times, I just felt, wow, I wish, you know, so many kids could watch this movie and learn what it's like to be a diligent young person. I agree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, if you were familiar with Ryokawa's story, it was so great to see it on film this way, you know, and, and there was a dramatic element to it, but it was not dramatized. It Mm -hmm. was you know, essentially how it happened. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool. And, and I agree, Dylan. It would be a great inspiration for younger people to see, you know, especially as they're becoming adolescents, you know, what they can do to become better adults yeah. as they, you know, go through their teenage years and their early 20s. You know.
0: Yeah. And then just like repelling society's influence on us and doing what is right anyways. Like even when other people are out having fun playing, he was inside reading. you know he was devoting himself to studying he wanted to be in his university years the wisest man in japan and he made so much efforts in his mental and spiritual cultivation behind the scenes not for worldly fame or glory but just for the pursuit of enlightenment and the pursuit of happiness as a seeker of the truth
1: yeah i thought it was great how like when um you know it shows in the movie when he starts first receiving spiritual messages mm. which uh, you know for those familiar with real books that comprise a you know a large amount of the publications and but he was so humble in the sense that he was still working at a, a trading house, I believe, and he wouldn't rush to tell everybody that he worked with about them the books that he was publishing you know and they ended up finding out by <laughs> accident through someone else and then they all were interested in it
0: naturally. But, um, you know, he wasn't, you know, boasting about anything. Right. That takes us to, you know, something that's really important to maybe the history of happy science, which was how he did attain enlightenment in 1981. But it wasn't until after that he decided to, you know, create happy science. He waited many years to verify the teachings that he was getting from these spirits, verify that what they're saying is authentic and what they're saying is rational and it's consistent. So he's not like a traditional religious leader in that way. He was apprehensive about that, and he took his time and was patient about it. And after all those years, he truly verified that what the spirits were saying were true. And then he, after that, awoke to his mission to preach the teachings to save humankind. The kind of flow that's shown in the movie is completely accurate to how it was in reality. But I think almost no religious leaders take that path. So unique. Yeah, it's very rare. You know, generally speaking, I
1: think most religious leaders, in the present time at least, you know, they kind of go a more orthodox path. You know, they go through a training in a seminary or whatever it may be, and, you know, they get there. I mean, uh, what... Ryo Kawa did start his path as a spiritual leader and a religious leader is almost more in common with how someone like maybe Shakyamuni or Jesus Christ or, you know, the ancient prophets and teachers, you know, they had to build up, you know, gradually and become it and test it and then start teaching it.
0: Yeah, and I I just remember, John, uh, when we spoke in a recent episode, you had mentioned that one of the things that connects Ryo Kawa and Shakyamuni Buddha is the management abilities and many people have claimed to be buddha over the years but we lined up all the facts of why he is a buddha or he is the buddha and you mentioned about his management actually the movie shows how he studied in uh, tokyo in new york and uh, became a financial elite he became someone extremely successful in this world but after that He discovered that his mission was so much greater and worldly fame and worldly profits wasn't what he wanted to devote his life to. So he abandoned everything. He started from scratch and he renounced the world. And that's parallel to Buddha's time renouncing the castle and going off into the wilderness to pursue enlightenment. So it really shows the parallels to Buddha's life in that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's uncanny. (laughs) Mm Yeah, you know, the movie, of course, yeah, it's based on the main story is on Riho Kawa's life, but there's a lot of fascinating episodes in the movie. You know, one of my favorite times was, you know, he was kind of mocked by his friends and peers in university because he was writing love letters as poems to his girlfriend, right, at the time, or not maybe not girlfriend, but the woman of his ideals, and... They were just thinking like, oh, this, he's so old fashioned or he's so, he's not part of like the modern society in that way, but he was really idealistic his whole life. He didn't go the way as everyone else went. As Buddha says, he was like the sole rhinoceros horn that is by itself carving its own path. You know, that was one of my favorite, you know, parts of that movie. Was there anything that was really fascinating or favorite parts of the movie that stood out to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh,
1: well, I what you just mentioned, I, I think was a really great point. Um, and, I, you know, I would say that that sense of idealism in young people uh, to really go forth the sense of individuation in the world mm. is becoming increasingly rare. You know, mm. I feel like we're seeing more and more groupthink and, mm. uh, you know, collectivism and uh, a loss of individuality in many young people today. And, mm. uh, you know, I think it, to return to a point you made earlier, I think this is another reason that this, you know, Twice Born would be a great movie for younger people to see. One part that I really, that stuck out to me, though, was towards the end of the movie, and Ryo is meditating in his mm. room Mm -hmm. And he is hearing a voice speaking to him. And it's telling him uh, that if he leaves work, you know, his company now to become a spiritual, uh, you know, religious leader, that it'll he's going to disappoint everybody and that he should wait until he's 45 to do it. And he's going to hurt all these people. And then he realizes that the voice speaking to him is not something pure. It's something, um, you know, demonic or, or uh, the, you know, a, a devil itself, you know, communicating to him. And I liked the scene where he realizes that and is able to identify the voice that's communicating these thoughts to him and overcomes it. Which again has a parallel to uh, Shakyamuni Buddha.
0: Right. I was just going to make that point. It's totally, you know, parallel. It's, you know, Mara of India, the devil came to Buddha, said it was Brahma, right? And then said, don't leave your wife. Don't leave your family behind. You're going to disappoint them. You're going to make people unhappy. So it, it was discouraging him to become a religious leader. And the same thing happened to Riyokawa, almost in a very similar way. He took the courage and he had the wisdom to distinguish good from evil and distinguish the flaws in the devil's way of thinking and expose it. And then he kind of illuminated the devil with his inner light and blasted the devil away from him. That is the true meaning of great enlightenment. That's the true meaning of, you know, the spiritual power of a religious leader is that they can even cause the devils to reflect upon their lack of wisdom and their lack of understanding in this world and in the spiritual world as well. Absolutely.
1: You know, and it really, uh, you know, I think it speaks to the point that Twice Born is a contemporary rendering of what it's like to experience enlightenment uh, in the manner of like how Shakyamuni did. It really is parallel to that happening in the present age, which Mm. is so great to see because The, you know, so many people think of Shakyamuni, and it's in, you know, it was 2500 years ago, more or less to think of what he taught. Some of it might have been culturally bound to that time. Ryokawa's teachings are essentially the same teachings made for this time, and also broader, though, Mm -hmm. considering the whole earth. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just think it's great the way it's presented.
0: You know, John, actually, there was another fascinating point, which I think all the viewers enjoyed. That was the cameo of Rihokawa Okawa himself in the movie. <laughs> Dr. Okawa, maybe I should say. Dr. Okawa. Because he, he was working as a medical doctor, and he had a brief stint in the movie encouraging his own father, technically through the movie's portrayal of him to get better, get healthy again through his positive thinking. It was a really cheerful moment, lighthearted, and I think the audience really enjoyed it.
1: I agree, Dylan,
0: and and I, I think uh, for those who haven't seen
1: you know any of the movies produced by Ryo Okawa, he generally does make a cameo appearance, and his presence is always so joyful and lighthearted. Like you said, you know, and it, it's nice to see. It it brings an extra little bit of uh, light into the movie, and mm-hmm. it's very
0: nice. Yeah. Yeah. So John. I don't want to give any spoilers to our audience here, but you know, the movie ends in a really fascinating and powerful way, like an empowering and powerful way. You know, that takes us to the contents of actually the Twice Born book, which we discussed. In the latter part of that book, we see the Victory of Faith lecture. We weren't able to see that in the movie, but could you talk about that scene, that ending clip and what really happened in real life?
1: Sure. The clip, if I'm not mistaken, takes place at the Tokyo Dome, Mm -hmm. and it was a packed Tokyo Dome. And uh, for those listening from the United States who aren't familiar with that venue, it's enormous. I think it seats at 50,000? Yeah, so I mean, so it shows Ryokawa rising up from the floor into a staircase that he then descended and gave his lecture called The Victory of Faith, which appears at the end of the Twice Born book. And it's such a powerful moment and a powerful ending. Even sharing it right now isn't doing it justice. So when you see it, as the culmination of everything that Ryokawa experienced throughout the movie, hmm. the victory of faith lecture, as we mentioned last time, was so important because it was the moment when Ryokawa first spoke to the world and said, "The man you see before you is not the entirety of what I am." You know, the told them that he was El Cantare hmm. and that was speaking through this body. Mm. and, you know, guided people to turn inwards to the faith and to God existing within each of us. And it's such a powerful and pivotal moment in Ryokawa's career as a religious leader. Mm.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that future generations will be talking about that lecture as a kind of turning point of human history. To be able to witness it in that form and through the book and through how the movie portrays it, is really a miracle and such mercy for us human beings living today to know that we were alive or we were in the same era at least as the Savior who gave the teachings before the world in that manner. So it's kind of like a earth-shaking event.
1: Well, I couldn't agree more. Yeah.
0: And you can also learn more on okawabooks.com. It was great talking to you again, John. Likewise, Dylan. In these trying times, stay happy, healthy, and positive.